0: We are going to be taking our reading from Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 4. And it says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit amen so i'm um, going to be talking about uh, uh, the sermon i've titled the uh, thanks be to god thanks be to god and we're going to be looking at it in the uh, three headings: uh, freedom from condemnation verses one freedom from sin verses two to three Freedom to be righteous verses 4 now in uh, the first verse we see here we start with therefore therefore simply means that it's uh, is a consequence of what I've been previously stated so how does therefore actually connect with what we are about to say and the way it connects is basically thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord in verse 25 of, uh, chapter seven on the one hand i myself with my mind am serving the law of god but on the other with my flesh the law of sin so in as much as there is a struggle for the believer or an unbeliever under the law paul is saying there is a way out and that is why you see here in verse 25 it says thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord and as a result of thanking God then it says therefore this is the way out that he's been talking about the way out is to be in Christ Jesus that's what he's telling us he's telling us the law condemns the law always brings about the penalty of sin to you it's always bringing it before your face But now in Christ Jesus, he says, there is no condemnation. You see, in Christ Jesus in verse 1, in Christ Jesus verse 2, a positional reality that is saying there. Now, let's look at condemnation. He uses condemnation in uh, other places in this uh, um, episode to the Romans. In Romans 5 16 to 18 and 20 says, The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the one and judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For if by the righteousness of the one dead reign through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression, there resulted just condemnation to all men. Even so, through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. The law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So, all of us, because of Adam's sin, we are condemned. There resulted condemnation to all men. Through one transgression, because of Adam's transgression, condemnation reached all of us. So all of us are condemned, basically. And condemnation yeah, is used in the sense resulting from uh, final judgment. That this is the punishment that comes after final judgment. I have judged you and I have found you guilty what is your punishment that's what it means to be condemned You even see in uh, matthew 20 verse 18 of our lord jesus christ then it says behold we are going up to jerusalem and the son of man will be delivered to the priests and scribes that they will be condemned him to death in that same way all of us in christ we have been condemned to uh, outside of christ we are all condemned to death Because just uh, uh, God said in the Garden of Eden that the day you surely take of this fruit, you will die, and the wages of sin is death. So all of us are condemned already. But in saying here, Paul is saying here that you won't be condemned if you are in Christ Jesus. You are justified. You are made right with God. God has said your case is dismissed. Condemnation means punishment following a judicial sentence. And John 3.18 says, He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So, if you have believed in Christ Jesus, you are are not judged at all. You are not condemned. Now, notice the word in the text here. It says, now. There is now no condemnation. It indicates a present reality. It is those who are presently in Christ Jesus that there is no condemnation for. It's not for those who are outside Christ Jesus. If you are outside Christ Jesus, there is no promise of no condemnation for you. There is condemnation for those who are outside Christ Jesus. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is now no condemnation. Now also indicates that you can enjoy this present reality on earth. You can enjoy this assurance that there is no condemnation. You don't need to wait the judgment day to know you are not condemned. Now you can know. No punishment is awaiting you after judgment. When the sin when sin and righteousness meet, the result is judgment. When a sinner meets a righteous God, the result is judgment. And what we can say that will come out of that judgment is only nothing but condemnation. But when righteous plus righteous meets. That's what it calls justification. God is the one that is the justifier, and he's the one that is both our judge. And he declares us righteous. And he says you are justified. Once you repent and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, He says you, you are acquitted. He says your case is dismissed. Your case, your the punishment that you are meant to have is dismissed. I have made you righteous. You are reconciled back to me. You have been made right to me. So there is now no condemnation for you. So if you have been justified by faith, there is no condemnation for you. Not by works of the law. not of works. not of works of the flesh. If you are justified by works of the law, there is condemnation for you. If you are, there's no way you can be justified by works of the law. There's no way you can be justified by works. There's no way you can be justified by works of the flesh. Not even being justified by faith, starting in faith and going back to the law, or putting yourself under the law. If you put if you start by faith and go back to the works of the law and put yourself under the law, I cannot assure you that there will be no condemnation for you. The reason believers feel condemned be- is because they put themselves under the law, and they live in a relationship with God on the basis of the law. And that is why people who go to legalistic churches, who have been brought under legalism, they always feel condemned every time. How much? How much can I do to get to heaven? How much? They always feel condemned that you can never make it to heaven. Every time the the Hell is always brought before their sight. They are always afraid of hell, always afraid of hell. Because that's what they just see. Condemnation every single time. Because they've been taught, keep all the laws, do this, do that to get to heaven. And they can't do it. And they are feeling condemned every time. Some churches, you have to get you have to get saved almost every Sunday. Oh, because you have been. Looking at the law, and you have failed it times that number, you feel you can't make it to heaven. There's the difference between condemnation and conviction. We are to have conviction of sin, our conscience is to correct us too. We have to be repentant. That is entirely different from condemnation. Try to stay away from people who try to condemn you. You have to know your present reality in Christ. People who are condemning you are not from God. Jesus said, condemn not for you so that you will not be condemned. He us against such kind of judgment that is condemning. He says we can judge people. That is totally right. We are to judge ourselves in the church. But he says, do not condemn. Do not judge in a condemning way. People can tell you, your, you of your sin and judge you righteously. That is totally different from condemnation. Condem- conviction is the state of knowing you have done wrong, of knowing you are guilty. But the moment it gets to the level of you feeling condemned, then that is no longer con- conviction but condemnation. Now, let's look at the next one. Freedom from sin, verses 2 to 3. And in these verses, Paul begins to tell us why there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He says, because in Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life have set you free from the law of sin and death. That is why there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You were in bondage. You were in captivity under the law of sin and death. Now in Christ Jesus, you have been set free from that law of sin and death. You are now under the law of the spirit of life. The spirit of life is the Holy Spirit. And when you are under his law... You can walk in the newness of life, you can walk under his dictates. We see the law of the sin of sin and death is explained to us in the Romans chapter 7, verse 23 and 24. It says, But I see a different law in the members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind, and making me a prisoner of the law of sin which is in my members. And he says, Who oh, will set me free from the body of death in verse 24? So these members are in bondage to the law of sin. Our bodies are in bondage to the law of sin and death. And we should be clear, the law of sin and death is not the law of Moses at all. It's totally differentiated. 1 Corinthians 56 states that 15 verse 56 says, "The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law." The power of sin, the ability of sin, what gives sin power is the law. The, the law of Moses only arouses the law of sin and death within us. Not that the law of Moses is the law of sin and death. No, it only arouses the law of sin and death in our members. And every time we have sinned, this thing of death just keeps on hitting us because of the sins. For sin and death not to be aroused within us, don't go back to the law of Moses. Go to what set you free. That is the spirit of life. Follow the dictates of the Holy Spirit. The law of sin and death is what leads to condemnation. Those who are in Christ Jesus are under the law of the spirit of life and lead to us to life eternal life abundant life if you are not under the law of the spirit of life i can assure you there is no condemnation for you you won't live in this reality the law of the spirit of life is almost similar to the law of moses which is also spiritual in verse Romans 7 verse 14, says, for we know that the law is spiritual. Romans 7 verse 10, it says, and this commandment which was to result in life. The same thing, the law of the spirit of life is, is, is spiritual and it's also to result in life for us. Through Christ you have been set free from the law of sin and death. You see, We see that clearly in Romans 6, verse 7 to 10. It says, For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. So you cannot enjoy what Christ has done until you are in Christ. This is what Christ accomplished for us on the cross. He freed us from sin. But for you to enjoy this reality, you have to be in Christ. To be set free from the law of sin and death. To be set free from sin, you have to be in Christ. Ezekiel 3 37 verse 14 sorry it says the spirit gives life he will put the spirit upon us that will give us life the flesh profit nothing but the spirit that gives life so if you want to keep on enjoying this life where there is no condemnation you have to be in christ The word for in verse two implies the reason for in verse three, sorry, implies the reason for the preceding statement and he says, the reason is the law of the spirit of life had to set us free from the law of sin and death is because the law could not do that. The law could not set us free from sin and death. The law could only show us our problem, but could not give us the solution. The law could show us the knowledge of sin. It could show us what sin is. It could show us that we are sinners. The law could diagnose our problem, but it could not bring a solution. The law wasn't a perfect physician, it wasn't a good doctor. Every good doctor should be able to diagnose the problem of his patient and also bring the solution. But the law couldn't do that. The law could not save anyone from sin. The law could not free anyone from sin and death. The law could only condemn you. The law could see your problem and say, no, we are diagnosing you and condemning you. The law is like such a doctor who will see your problem and not give any hope to his patient. And just say, Omo is over. There's nothing we can do. This is this is the whole matter. There's nothing you, you can't live more than two months. There's no form of hope. They just say it bluntly, straightforward. They don't give you any form of hope. Say your problem and give you condemnation that you are going to die. That is all. The law wasn't potent because the flesh weakened it. It was unable, it wasn't powerful enough. And the law was ineffectual. The law is potent on its own. But when it is put through the flesh, it is weakened. For example, a dog, let's say uh, a hound, is powerful enough to face any thief or stranger that comes into your house but the moment is in, ca- in the cage or you chain the dog it is weakened it's not powerful to protect its owner anymore it's not powerful enough to protect it from a stranger or from a thief anymore it has been weakened the law was to result in life but it's unable to do that because it is weakened through the flesh in the flesh when the law comes in contact with the flesh, it is weakened. The flesh defeats it and kills the potency of the law. But I love this amazing statement: for what the law was unable to do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did. God did. God is potent; he is the God of all possibilities. The flesh can't weaken God. The law couldn't defeat sin in the flesh to death. God did that. And how did God do that? God, to condemn sin in the flesh, he had to send his son in the flesh. His son had to become man. And he uses the word, he says, having sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh, to help us understand the word likeness, you see Philippians 2 verse 7, it says, But having emptied, but emptied himself, taking the form of bond servant, and made in the likeness of men. Christ had the same appearance as us. He says, in the likeness of sinful flesh. He was like us. Christ identified himself with us first, before we could be identified with him in baptism, in faith, he had to identify himself with us first. This is Christ in his Adamic capacity, a representative of humankind as a whole, but sharing the fleshy feebleness before sin of humanity in general. This is Christ's oneness with sinful Adam prior to his death. Christ had the potential to sin, but didn't sin. He was sinless, perfect. The writer to the Hebrews tells us he was tempted at all points. It wouldn't have been possible for him to call that a temptation if Christ didn't have the potential to sin. For example, you ca- I'm not an alcoholic or addicted to a, uh, alcohol. Alcohol cannot be a temptation for me. You can't call it a temptation for me. So, if Christ didn't have the potential to sin, to fall, then it wouldn't have been called temptation. But Christ didn't have the potential to sin, but he did not sin. He was entirely sinless. God sent Christ for sin offering for us. He made atonement for us through his sin offering. It was a sin offering for the sins we have committed. This sin offering was too expensive for us to afford for our own sins. None of us could afford a sin offering for the sins we have committed. None of us could ransom ourselves, but God could afford it for us. Christ had to be sinless to be our sin offering. He had to be God to be our sin offering. Only Christ could take away our sins. We have been sanctified through the offering of Jesus Christ once for all. By the offering of Christ, God could forgive us our sins. God cannot forgive anyone their sins unless it has been paid for. For us not to be condemned anymore, God condemned sin in the flesh, in the flesh of Christ. God sent sin to death. God punished sin in the flesh of Christ that we who are in Christ Jesus may not be punished. Whereas the law came in contact with the flesh and the flesh condemned sin. Sentenced sin. But no, when God came in contact with the flesh, he sentenced sin in the flesh and sent it packing. When sin sent the law packing away, God defeated the flesh. The flesh of Christ bore the punishment for our sins. He bought the wrath for our sins. Man thought that the men thought that they were condemning Christ for blasphemy at his death. But God was condemning sin, punishing Christ, sentencing Christ to death for our own sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who you knew no sin to be seen on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Him who you knew no sin made him to be seen on our behalf. Him that was perfect made him to be seen on our behalf. Him that was sinless made him to be seen for our behalf. That we may Be justified, and in verse 4, it says, So that the requirement of the law should be fulfilled in us, not working who do not walk, go on working according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And the goal of all this that God did in sending Christ in flesh, in the sinful, in the likeness of sinful flesh, in goal of uh, God sending Christ for sin to be condemned in the flesh is not that you cannot go back and sin as you like. The goal of justification is not that you cannot go back and sin as you like because God has done it all. The goal is this god doesn't condemn you anymore go and sin no more that's what god is saying neither do i condemn you go and sin no more the goal is that the requirement of the law should be fulfilled in us christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes if you read the first five books of the old testament just studying through the books of the law, God will say something like this and say, do this and it will be righteousness for you before the Lord your God. But God did this in Christ Jesus. God justified us so that the righteous acts of the law will be fulfilled in us. Luke 1 verse 6 says, They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. The requirement of the law is simply the requirement of God. This is what God requires of us. God is saying, no, the law could not do this. I'm doing it. And we'll go away with this. No, God still wants his requirements to be fulfilled. Even though the law could not enable us to fulfill those requirements, God still requires this from us. And I tell you, if the requirements of God, if the requirements of the, Lord is, of the law is not fulfilled in you, then you are not in Christ. Then there's no way you can enjoy this assurance that there's no condemnation. Romans 2.25-26 helps us understand this better. It says, For indeed, circumcision is of value if you practice the law. But if you are a transgression of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. So if the uncircumcised man keeps the requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? And he who is physically uncircumcised, if he keeps the law, will he not judge you, though having the letter of the law and circumcision are a transgression of the law? It says so if the uncircumcised man keeps the requirement of the law, so God expects us to keep the requirements of the law. That's why He justified us, that's why we are in Christ, that is why we are under the law of the spirit of life, so that we can keep the requirements of the law. So that the requirement of the law, the concrete form of righteousness may be fulfilled in us. We are to have righteous acts. We are to have righteous deeds based on what God did. Now, it specifies what the horse is in this statement. Who are the horse? The horse is basically those who are in Christ Jesus. Not just those who are in Christ Jesus. But it's not saying here that those who are working according to the Spirit, not working according to the flesh. And he says, it is not those who are working according to the flesh. It is those who are working according to the Spirit. Now notice the walking there is in the present tense. Present ongoing tense. It means that a consistent behavior, an habitual lifestyle. How do you conduct yourself consistently? That is what walking means. Now, let's understand it says, walking according to the flesh, first of all. It means to agree, to walk in agreement with the flesh, to walk in harmony with the flesh, saying yes to the details of the flesh. I want us to look at what it means to walk according to the flesh. It is to walk like a mere man. First Corinthians 3, verse 3 it says, For you are still fleshy, for since there is jealousy and strife among you, you are not, are you not fleshy? And are you not walking like mere men? You see the way they were behaving. Jealousy and strife was among them. And that is the way men who are just fleshy, who are not spiritual, who are not working according to the spirit, they are, but working according to the flesh, that is how we notice them. To walk according to the flesh is to walk by sight, based on what you see. Not by faith. Based on living for the now. You only live life once, so let's enjoy life, based on what you see. You are walking based on the temporary things. The things that last forever that are unseen, you don't believe in them. You say there is no hell after life. There is no afterlife. There is no heaven. You, you, you The heaven and hell is what you make of, right? Here on earth. You are walking according to the flesh. If that is how you think. It's only what you see that is real to you. There is no unseen realm to you then you are walking to the flesh. Anything done outside faith is sin. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Even though we walk in the flesh, we are not to walk according to the flesh. Ephesians 4, 17-19 says, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord. I'm agreeing with the Lord that you walk no longer, just as the Gentiles also walk. And how do the Gentiles walk? How do people who walk according to the flesh walk? How do people who are outside of Christ walk? It says they walk in the futility of their mind. Being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart, and they have They, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. This is how their lives are marked by. They are overwhelmed with sensuality. Practicing every kind of impurity with greediness. There is no end to the practice of impurities, of immoralities in their life. Galatians 5, 19-21 says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outburst of anger, disputes, dissensions, fashions, envy, drunkenness, carousing and things like this of which i have warned you just as i have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of god so paul is saying here that if you are walking according to the flesh then you are under condemnation there's no way you can say there is no condemnation for you you will not inherit the kingdom of god so you look at your lifestyle how are you living? Can people see your lifestyle and see immorality, see impurity, see sensuality, see idolatry, see sorcery, see enmities, see strife, see jealousy, see outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, passions, envy, jerkiness, carousing. If people can see this in your life, if you, you yourself can see this in your life, then you need to check your life. You need to check yourself. If you are truly in Christ, If you are actually walking according to the Spirit and get back, get your tracks right again and start walking according to the Spirit and no longer according to the flesh, the moment you begin to continue walking according to the flesh, you begin to lose your assurance of salvation. The Spirit no longer tells you that you are on the way, you are on the path that leads to life, you are on the path that leads to heaven. Then you are on the path that leads to inheriting the kingdom of God. So if you see you are losing your assurance, you need to check your lifestyle. To walk according to the Spirit now, let's look at what that means. is to walk in Christ. To walk in your reality in Christ. To live in Christ. In Him we move, in Him we have our being. It is to walk by faith everything we are doing we do in faith to please god it is to walk in the spirit galatians 5 16 to 18 and 22 23 says but i say to you walk by the spirit walk in the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh for the flesh sets his desire against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under flesh. You are not walking according to the flesh. That's what he's saying here. You are not in bondage to the law. You are not in captivity to sin if you are led by the Spirit. And he says, But the fruit, now notice he says, Fruits, not fruits. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such there is no law. He lists nine flavors of the fruit of the Spirit. And for Someone who is being led by the Spirit, who is living in accordance with the Spirit, these nine flavors, we have to see them in your life. Because these nine flavors can be counterfeited. People who are outside, Christ, outside of Christ can have four out of the nine, can have five out of the nine, or even eight out of the nine in their lives. It's only those who are in Christ, it's only those who are living in accordance with the spirits, that can have all nine flavors within them. That you can shake their lifestyles. And you see this fruits. You see love. You see joy. You see peace. You see patience. You see kindness. You see goodness. You see faithfulness in their life. You see gentleness in their life. You see self-control in their life. You see discipline in their life. It is to live in the spirit and by the spirit that is what it means to walk in accordance with the spirit is to always say that if the holy spirit says this you say i agree with this when the flesh comes with its desires and the holy spirit says these are my desires this and the f- desires of the flesh. You said No, I'm not going for the desires of the flesh. I do not agree with you. I cannot walk in agreement with you. You say, No, I am walking in agreement with the Holy Spirit. I agree with what the Holy Spirit is saying, and I want to walk in it. I love to walk in it. To walk in accordance with the Spirit is to walk according to love. It is to walk in the newness of life. It is to live according to the dictates of the Holy Spirit. Romans 13 verse 8 to 10 says, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in the saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to the neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. So, are you walking in accordance with love? If you are walking according to love, then you are walking in accordance with the Spirit. Galatians 5 13, 14 to 14 says, For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not you turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but true love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It says, You were called to freedom. This is not a freedom that you use to give opportunity for the flesh. To obey the desires of the flesh. This is a freedom to be righteous. This is a freedom to serve one another through love. This is a freedom to walk in accordance with love. Walking in the Spirit is to walk in good works. Ephesians 2, verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. So when you have been saved, when you have been saved by grace through faith, God has prepared before good works that you should work in. So when you have been saved, ask God, what is the good work that you have created for me? What is the good works that you have prepared before and that I should work in? Let God show you Those good works that He has prepared beforehand that you should walk in. And when you walk in those good works that He has prepared beforehand that you should walk in, then you are walking in accordance with the Spirit, because it's the Spirit that is going to show you those good works that God has prepared beforehand that you should walk in. It's the work in manner worthy of the calling. You have been called to a holy calling. To walk in that manner, to walk in the behavior worthy of that calling. This high calling that God has called us to, that is to walk in the spirit. It is to walk as children of light. Our father is light. 1 John 1 verse 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from our sin." So we are to walk in the light. Go on walking in the light. The blood of Jesus is going to cleanse us. Go on cleansing us from all sin. We are going to have fellowship with God, the Father, God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When we are walking in the Spirit, when we are walking as children of light, when we are representing God, witnessing Christ in our day, in our lifestyles, in our daily lives, then we are walking in light. It is to walk in the manner worthy of, of the Lord, to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing the knowledge of God. When you are led by the Holy Spirit, when you are walking in accordance with the Spirit, you'll be walking in the manner worthy of the Lord, that the Lord will be saying in heaven and smiling, this is my son, this is my child. Is walking in the manner that I'm proud of. You are pleasing Him in all respects, in all around you are pleasing God. You are just bearing fruit in every good work to Him. All the glory is just going back to Him. Everything is abounding to Him. You are bearing fruit to Him because you are allowing Christ to live through you. You are just increasing knowledge of God. To walk in accordance to the Spirit is to walk according to God's commandments. To walk according to God's law. You know the laws are not burdensome. They are not grievous for you. And you are walking in accordance with them. What God has stated in His word, you are keeping them. You love your neighbor. You love God with all your mind, your soul, your strength. That is what it means to walk in the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit is to walk in agreement with the truth. We cannot divorce love from truth and become. People who are pragmatists, who are, do, no longer have discernment, to discern between evil and good, to descend against false teachings. If you are walking in the Spirit, you will be descending against false teachers. You will be able to know what is true and what is wrong. You will be able to know what is true and what is false if you are working in the Spirit. The Spirit will always lead you to truth. Because the truth is Christ. So the Spirit will always lead you to Christ. If you are abiding in Christ, you are abiding in His Word. If you are living, walking according to the Spirit, it will lead you there. 1 John 2.27 says, As for you, the anointing which you received from Him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, abide in Him. To walk in accordance with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will be teaching you the truth. You will be able to confirm, is this teacher, is this uh, pastor, is what is teaching true or wrong or false? The Holy Spirit is your higher authority, it becomes your teacher to teach you the truth. So, are you walking in the spirit? If you are walking in the spirit, there's no way you will be abiding in false stations. The Holy Spirit would have taught you the truth. The Holy Spirit would have commanded you, brought you out of such false stations and brought you to the truth. There are times in my life that I've seen that I was engulfed in false stations, but God led me away from such false stations to the truth. god led me to people who i should start listening to who are bringing the truth my way so ask yourself if you are listening to false stations and people are telling you this is false this is false ask yourself are you actually listening to the voice of the holy spirit and what the truth is have you gone back to god's word and to know what the truth is are you actually eating on christ are you actually feeding on christ daily Are you actually abiding in Christ to know what the truth is? Walk in accordance. Walk in agreement with the Spirit from today. Now, because God has set you free from sin, you are free from condemnation. Go and be free to be righteous. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that you have given to us. Thank you, O Lord, that we can now enjoy this reality presently. That there is now no condemnation for us. This is a good news, O oh Lord, for us that there is no punishment awaiting us at the end of the day. That there is now no condemnation for us can make us to motivate us to live righteously, to live to please you in all respect. What a good news for those who have been put under the bondage to the law. I pray this they will use hear this good news and it will bring a lot of assurance to their hearts, O oh Lord. Lord, even as we know that there's now no condemnation for us, O oh Lord. For us that are in Christ Jesus, O oh Lord. Father, your word also stays we are free from the law of sin and death. To save the law, the spirit of life. Oh Lord, you have told us this morning that you do not condemn us. Go and sin no more. Oh Lord, may we obey that. May we may the righteousness of the law, the requirement of the law, be fulfilled in us. May we keep the requirements of the law, Oh Lord. You have given us the power to understand what your word says. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. To be a sin offering for us. When we could not afford to pay for our sins. You did it. You, sh- you showed us our problem. and you brought the solution. You are our perfect physician. You are the true doctor, O oh Lord. And we thank you for everything, O oh Lord. Thanks be to our God, we say with Paul, thanks be to our God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All glory be unto your name, Father. May we live in this reality. May we go on enjoying the assurance of our salvation. And Father, please, O Lord. May we go on walking in accordance with the Spirit, obeying the details of the Spirit, O Lord. Help us, O Lord, to be able to subdue the flesh, not to give in to the desires of the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we are not going to walk according to the flesh, Lord. We ask for your help and your grace today to be sufficient for us. We ask all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.